This was a story I grew up hearing my mum telling me. I was really young when this happened, and I know for a fact it was before I was five. I only have some foggy memory of this event, especially because my mum at the time didn't want to freak me out. Some context first. We have family like all over the country. I remember spending so much of my childhood just on road trips from state to state to visit family, so we know our in and outs of travelling. Two, when I was a child I would randomly hug strangers and tell them I love them. I was so filled with joy and love that it spilled over onto people. There was basically only one stranger I never immediately latched onto the second I saw them, and this is that story. So, my mum was taking me to visit some relatives while my dad was staying at home with my brothers. She had to go house here, and in general was a better caretaker with me than my father. So it made sense that I went with her. We were driving for hours until we finally hit a rest stop and got out to use the bathroom. Now there was already this guy in the parking lot, and according to my mum, it looked like he was watching everyone who was entering and leaving the rest stop. The second we got out of the car, he did too. My mum held my hand as we headed into the restroom, but immediately picked up on the fact that I let go of her hand and held onto her other hand, the side of her away from the man. Now looking back, she tells me it was clear somewhere in my tiny child brain I picked up on some sign of danger because I avoided the man as much as I could, and I would quicken my pace to the restroom and car. I never did that with another stranger ever again. I never blatantly avoided any other adult like that. Anyway, we went to do our business and head back to the car, and the man had gone to his car and watched us leave, only to then follow us in his own car. My mum immediately realised what was going on and tried to shake him off on the highway. He wouldn't budge and tried to get as close as he could. Apparently, while doing this, a semi-truck driver notices how frantic and off she was driving and could see her looking back at his car. He realised what was going on and drove up to her side and kind of made eye contact with her and they were on the same page from then on out. Turns out the driver called up on his radio to other truckers and told them what was going on, and a bunch of drivers from different routes nearby came onto the same highway we were travelling on. A few minutes later, they began blocking the guy's car and essentially trapping him away from my mother and I as she turned onto the exit to get off the highway to another rest stop. He got out and talked to my mum and told her he picked up on what was happening, asked if we were okay and drove us to Burger King and got us something to eat. We talked and he followed us back on the road until eventually we went our separate routes. So to the guy who was probably going to try and kidnap my mum and me, let's never meet. To the drug driver who probably saved our lives, thank you. My husband and I were at the supermarket and our baby was being especially fussy. So he took her for a quick drive, the motion of which usually calms her down. It only took 10 minutes to sell her and I was still in the store but unsure of how much longer I'd be, and there's a poor cell reception inside. So he pulled back into the parking lot to wait for me. It was an unseasonably nice day, so he took her in the car seat to sit on one of the benches outside the store. He took a business call and sat them down, absent-mindedly rocking the carrier, when a woman, well-dressed, mid-thirties and average height with a fit build approached them. It's not uncommon for people to ask a play of a baby. She's got big rosy cheeks, soft whips of gold hair, and the most adorable gurgly toothless grin, especially when she's deep into a good nap. But her nap schedule is paramount, so my husband was preparing to tell the woman she couldn't actually play with her baby right then. She walked over, right in their direction, brimming with a nonchalant confidence, 
and before he can even finish his sentence explaining she was napping and not to be touched, she picked up the car and started walking off. It was in shock for a minute, not fully believing someone could be balls enough to do something so sinister in plain daylight, so he said, excuse me, put her down, as panic set in. She remained calm the entire time, but when he called after her, she started walking away more briskly than when she'd approached. He ran full speed ahead to grapple the carrier out of her hands, finally resulting in restraining her arms. The woman yells, help, he's trying to take my baby, kidnapping, 911, help! Kicking him in the shin and pulling a pink bottle of pepper spray out of her handbag. Of course, no one in the parking lot was clocking the earlier interaction, and assumed he was really a kidnapper, a lone man in Deadpool t-shirts versus a tiny well-dressed woman. Immediately, a man knocked my husband to the ground and was holding him down. He could hear bystanders encouraging the woman to file a police report, but she was doing a very convincing job of acting shaken up and insisted she just wanted to get home. To make matters worse for my husband, she was driving a minivan. He was in a raw state of panic, realising the entire parking lot had banded together to inadvertently facilitate the kidnapping of our own daughter. He was begging and pleading with them, but no one was listening. They just kept screaming at him that the jig was up, and he needed to lie still and wait for the police to stop terrorising a young mother. My husband finally had the novel idea to show them a family picture on his phone, but too panicked to think clearly, this manifested as him shouting, I have baby pictures on my phone, which of course everyone interpreted the wrong way. It was at this point that a man, I can't entirely blame the man for considering what he thought was going on, kicked my husband as hard as he could in the ribs. It was at this point I was coming out the store and I thought he was being robbed by these people. I was yelling for security, so panicked my chest constricted and I could barely get any sound out. It was only then that I realised he didn't have our baby with him. When I saw she was being held by a woman, I was relieved. I thought maybe the woman had intervened to move my daughter out of harm's way while my husband was being robbed and was walking away to get help. I couldn't find a security guard outside of the store, so I ran up to these people holding my husband down, waving my wallet, pleading, take everything you want, just let him up and leave us alone. And one of the men holding him down said something like, lady we need to wait for the police to deal with him. And I was so confused. Why would the mugs have called the police? I just kept stammering, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And made out someone saying, he tried to abduct that woman's kid. I didn't understand, and was sure I'd misheard them. My husband would never hurt a child, we have four kids. If he were going to commit a crime, bringing home another kid would be at the bottom of his list. I kept trying to understand what the man was saying, and suddenly, it all clicked. I looked around for the woman who was carrying my baby, and she was halfway across the parking lot. I went into total ballistic tiger cub mode, literally leapt out of my heels and sprinted across the parking lot. I'm not a UFC fighter, I've never ever taken self defence class, so all I could think to do was grab the woman by her hair and squeeze her throat with my other hand which didn't do much, she was getting away even as I grappled her. Amazingly, none of the other bystanders had yet connected that my husband was telling the truth and this woman was absconding with my baby. I yanked her hair as hard as I could and that was enough to make her drop the carrier. I was so scared and surprised that I actually just threw myself on the top of the carrier, covering the entire thing like a blanket, and stayed that way without saying or doing anything else. The woman left, not one person tried to stop her, even though she was clearly leaving without the child she claimed was hers which would be pretty damn incriminating if I'd just seen this scene unfold. Within the next couple of minutes, police had arrived. After all that, there were still several bystanders who explained it as my husband trying to kidnap the baby. The police, to my horror, assumed that she must not have had bad intentions. The first question they asked me after getting her description weren't investigative. They were questions thinly veiled trying to convince me not to pursue charges, 
still placing the blame on my husband. A small sampling. Do your husband and the baby look dissimilar? Is there a chance you could have thought that he was abducting the baby and was trying to intervene? Could your husband be doing something inappropriate or violent to the baby that would make her feel that way? Did she seem groggy or confused? She could have mistaken her for one of her own family members. They spent more time verifying that the baby was actually mine than they concerned themselves with the fact that the baby was not actually hers. My husband had called his brother at this point, who works in an office with a lot of lawyers, and got connected with one as soon as possible, who gave us the priceless advice to get every officer's name and badge number, to request copies of the store security tapes right away, and to escalate our complaint higher up in the chain if these officers weren't taken us seriously. Finally, we had enough reason to believe that we were being taken seriously, and we went home, and both just shook and cried until we had to get the other kids from school. My husband is seething with rage and grappling with a feeling of helplessness from how little he was able to do, and has two cracked ribs from the man kicking him. To the officer's credit, they did ask if he'd like to press charges, but considering the man was genuinely convinced at the time he was in the riot and that he was kidnapping the child, we decided not to press charges. Amazingly and frustratingly, there were still people who stuck around to talk to the police who were giving my husband dirty looks, and one man who even implored the police to involve the CPS to verify it was actually our baby. I am a 24 year old female, work in a very small office, and in the off season, we put on a public festival in the fall. Our full time staff dwindles to three. Our office is in a very large old factory building that was restored for these purposes, and is fairly nondescript with no big signage or prominent office directory. Essentially, you would have to wander the halls while navigating Hogwarts Esquire stairs and look at door plates to know where you are. Big, anonymous, confusing. No one should be here if they don't need to be. I was working alone one day, and the office door opens, and two mid-thirties men walk in. Neither dress particularly well, but not scruffy either. I'm surprised as we don't get many unannounced visitors, but greet them politely anyways. Only one of them does the talking, and he's polite enough, but doesn't introduce himself or his colleague, past saying they're writers. The conversation quickly gets weird, with the talkative one asking what our selection process entails, and whether they can submit their work. All the while the silent guy is looking around, like he's taking major mental notes about my office, and creeping me right out. I try to laugh it off and explain that we're actually a festival, but we sometimes host authors, and our selection process is close until next year, etc. He smiles weirdly and asks again whether I'm sure we're not a magazine. I get annoyed and say I'm definitely sure, and that there are magazines who have offices in the neighbourhood, maybe they're in the wrong neighbourhood. The two share a look, and Talkie says, yeah, we must be in the wrong place, and they turn around and leave. The entire time they haven't moved further than the entrance, so I didn't feel physically threatened, but then I suddenly remembered that there had been a spate of minor robberies in the building the month before, and they may have been just scoping the place out. So potential robbers, let's not meet again. It would be naive, but to be honest, it's scary to think that I was alone in there and there were two men, probably double my size. They could have done anything to me, and to be honest, I would have been helpless. Let's get the details out so we can get to the story. I worked the graveyard shift at a wonderful Wally World. That means I see all the weirdos, drunks and druggies. 
But this, this takes the icing on the cake. I am a 20 year old female. I by no means am a big girl, but I am a loner most people leave alone. Hence why I work third shift. This night started as your average night does. Go to work, get told what to do and start on it. This particular night, I happen to be in the baby section. I keep myself and power through stocking, listening to some sort of documentary as I do. This is when I get stopped by a man. He was older, so I ask him if he needs any help. He informs me that he's looking for a baby monitor for his wife. He doesn't know anything about them though. I walk him over to where they are and start looking at them and comparing spec. I even pull up online reviews trying to help him make a decision. He finally decides he'll come back with his wife. I give him the, okay have a nice day, and walk away. This is when it starts. This man decides now, at 1am, that this is the perfect time and I'm the perfect person to pour his life story to. He tells me about how he's from Florida and he came up here to live with his mum because she isn't doing too well. He tells me exactly where he lives and then it starts getting even more personal. He tells me about how he builds all his expensive bedroom sets and furniture sets and how he's really good at it. So good at it that he used to own his own company, but before that he was a manager at another company that his buddy owned. The whole reason he left the company was because his wife was cheating on him, with his buddy unfortunately. He wasn't mad about her though, he was just mad that she hid it from him. At this point his wife leaves him for this guy and he starts dating a girl half his age. The entire time he feels like she's familiar and has seen her before but can never figure out why. Well comes to find out that she's a porn star. She steals a thousand dollars from him and leaves. He ends it all by saying he will never marry again. The conversation shifts again. He tells me about how he totaled his truck last week. It was raining and he was going too fast and slid off the road and hit a tree. He was really upset about it and didn't know what he was going to do or what kind of truck he was going to get. His truck was his baby and now he'll probably get something cheap since he keeps wrecking his vehicles. He makes it very clear that he doesn't want something cheap because he's broke. Money isn't an issue for him, he just doesn't want to spend money. At this point I want to point out that I've done nothing to initiate this conversation and I've not led into it at all. I have said maybe three words after I told him goodbye and he keeps going even though I add no commentary to the story. He also keeps edging closer and trying to touch me, which causes me to back up every few minutes and look nervously to my right when my doors open to a back room and I keep seeing people walking in and out of it. Hoping to catch somebody's eye and hoping they can help me too. Of course nobody stops. My manager even sees this guy has me cornered and didn't stop. At this point it's when things start taking a weird turn. He tells me he has cancer, but it isn't serious and he isn't worried about it. He's more worried because his mum has cancer and he doesn't want anything to happen to her. He has never had to pay for anything in his entire life. He tells me he was just arrested last month because his aunt had set him up. She put pills that weren't his in his truck and had set him up so he couldn't claim inheritance money. He then informs me that this isn't the only time he's been locked up. He spent 35 years in prison because of money stuff. At this point I've been standing here for about 45 minutes to an hour and my friends are headed up to lunch at this point and stop to grab me. As soon as he sees these guys walk up to me he instantly makes up an excuse and leaves. Once I'm gone I start to realise a few things. The man said he was 50, he went to prison for 35 years, that mean he was locked up at 15 and just got out, making everything else next to impossible. 
Not only that, but he wasn't even married and didn't have any kids. That's what really freaked me out. I'm pretty sure he was high as a kite as well. I hope I never see this man again, and now if I'm late to lunch or break, I've informed people to make sure I'm okay, just in case he comes looking for me again. So basically, the 50 year old man asked me for help with a baby monitor, and divulges his entire life story to me, admitting he was in prison for 35 years, and that he wasn't married and had no kids. I was about 24 or so, I worked at a hotel about half a mile from my house. My husband and I were dirt poor at the time, so I walked to and from work. I lived in a small town in Louisiana, so things were seemingly safe, typically. I had just gotten off shift at 3pm and started my journey home. I had a backpack with my laptop in it and slung over my shoulder. I get about halfway home and this man comes walking up one side of the road. He looks to be around 35 or so, tall and medium build. I keep walking, but I notice he's staring at me. He begins to yell, hey girl, and continues to walk towards me. At this point, I'm on high alert and quicken my pace. He's coming from one of the side roads in front of me. So at this point, he's standing in the way of me and my house. He walks towards me and tells me, hey again. I nod at him and he asks, why are you going in such a hurry, girl? I tell him I'm going home to my husband, which is right around the corner, without giving him my actual location. He reaches out towards me and says, Why don't you come over to my house and we can talk? Take a little break from all that walking. I tell him no and attempt to walk by him. At this point, he reaches out and grabs my arm and says, I told you to come back to my house and then we can chat. I am almost in tears at this point, yelling at him no and telling him not to touch me. Cars are passing by and people are looking, but not stopping. I jerk away from him and slam him into the fence with my laptop bag. That stunned him long enough for me to turn and run away. Along the way, he was yelling at me, saying I was an ungrateful bitch and that he just wanted to chat. I got home and broke down and just lost it. I passed by that guy's house so many times after and always felt such an intense fear. So stalker man, let's never meet. This will be my very first time posting, so hello. I'm what I would most certainly call a creep magnet. I get weirdos all the time, and it's become a joke I share with my co-workers and friends. Telling them of the many, oh so many creepers that I've encountered in my time as a retail employee. I get all kinds of people in store. I am known very well for my bright attitude and overly chipper way of being, which has come to be loved by my regulars and newcomers alike. It's more than likely a contributing factor in why I get so many weirdos. And my height, I'm a very short girl, standing at 4 foot 8, and looking about 5 years younger than my age of 21. I'm rather filled out for how young I look, so that's another reason as well. But onto the story. Today was like any other, just another ordinary day, working by myself in the store, checking out customers, stocking shelves in my moments away from the register, a normal day. At some point while on the register, I was greeted by a man with a large, dark beard, bald and wearing glasses as he came through the door. He immediately smiled and got that surprised look on his face that I've come to know as, oh shoot, I'm totally going to creep on this girl, look. 
No biggie, I'm used to it. I know how to handle myself. Eventually, after an hour or two of being on the register, I've pretty much cleaned out the store of my customers and moved on to the stocking candy. The man before with the beard approaches me with a smile and holds up a large white trash can. Um, excuse me. Yes, I reply, glancing up from the box I'm stocking. Are there any more of these in the back? This one doesn't have a lid. Gesturing to the large trash can in his hand. Oh yeah, I can check for you. I smile and am polite like I always am, before turning away and heading towards the stockroom. I notice he's following me, but think nothing of it, but glance down at the aisles for any other customers as I walk, immediately taking note of the store's emptiness. Well, damn, I guess it's just us in the store, I think to myself. Moving through the stockroom door, I'm quickly relieved that this guy stops at the entrance. I'll be right back, I say, as I make a turn around some full rotenders which due to just receiving a truck, our stockroom is full of them. They stand very tall and are like giant movable walls, but very heavy mind you. Being so small, I don't have to move them much to make a path through and see what's on them. So after only a minute, I made myself a very little path, having three heavy ones on my right and left and in front of me. I decided to give up my search for trash cans. Sighing, I go turn around and inform him of my defeat only to find he's in my tiny path of walls, a very tight squeeze for a man of his stature, standing directly behind me. Find me them? Uh, um, no, I don't think we have any. I tried to laugh and avoid acknowledging the creepy situation, but so aware of my surroundings. I'm in a very small area with walls, at my back and sides towering over myself, and this very robust man is standing in the way of my only exit. In a room very far away from any customers with no cameras and no other employees in the store. I'm helpless and increasingly grind scared at how this man isn't moving to let me out. I go to voice that I need to return to work after a solid minute goes by, but I'm not able to get out a single word before he says in this creepy, almost shy voice, You're just the cutest little thing, do you know that? Within an instant, I'm scared and feel ill intention from this guy. Oh god, this is how I die, I think. Surprising myself though, I choke out without thinking. I just heard my bell. What? He looks confused but doesn't budge. I just heard my bell. There are people at the front who need to be checked out and are looking for me. I stand nervously, full well knowing neither of us heard the familiar ching from that bell service I keep on the register. But what about my trash can? He asks, stepping forward. But taking a glance back at the trash can, and again, with lightning thinking, I blurt out, I'll make it down half price, no big deal. Laughing and trying to add like nothing is out of the ordinary, I slip by him, seeing my opening at his turning around. I try my hardest to walk away, pretend to be calm as I exit the stockroom, then sprint to the front of the store the moment I was out of sight. He wound up leaving without purchasing the trash can. This happened in Nola a while back. My boyfriend, I, and two other couples were partying in the French Quarter, and after several hours and many drinks, we called it an end to that part of the night. This was before Ubers and Lyfts. We'd walked a few blocks from a hotel earlier that evening while it was still daylight, and now in the early AM hours past midnight, began to make our way back. I was on crutches, not a good combination with alcohol, and began to slow, lagging behind. 
my two girlfriends, Bree and Z, were a few steps ahead talking, ironically about a strange guy dressed in tights and a cape who seemed to stalk us through the bars, even to plastering himself Spider-Man-like against a window of one of the several minutes. Our three boyfriends were leading the way while laughing at anything and everything and sharing a smoke between them. Ahead, I watched the guys pass a food vendor and turn down a shortcut alley looking street rather than continue to the end of the block and turn. The vendor and old man say something to Bri and Z, but they don't hear him, still giggling over the night's events. They are on the verge of turning into the alley behind our guys when the vendor looks just to me. Just in case he feels dissed by them, I react especially kindly, making eye contact and sending a friendly nod his way. Little miss, I got you, right here, shh. He pushes a steaming white paper wrap over the cart towards me. I start to refuse, but he quickly lowers his voice saying, no charge. Something about his tone alerts me, not to mention the food aroma is tempting and I pause. He then speaks in an even more hushed tone. Don't look, but day trailing y'all. Since a four you crossed. Speaking of when he crossed over from the opposite sidewalk a while back, they gone, roll ya. He warns of impending danger to me, and the rest of my group now disappear from sight. I'm freaked out but remain casual, since his manner implies his safety is at risk if he's heard warning us. I holler to Bri and Z, and our respective boyfriends, to come back and taste his food. When my friends are back, the vendor wraps and serves them each a hot bowling ball while quietly repeating what he told me. He stresses to stay on the main walk, where it's well lit and busy and stay out of dark alleys. Duh, what stupid drunk targets would be. On the pretext of hanging back while eating, we sneak a glimpse of who we've been so strongly warned about and notice at least three stretchy guys loitering a few doors back watching us. They look away when we look their way. The cape man mentioned earlier is not one of them. The scary vibe around them is intense and I've always been one to feel those types of auras. Baldian Venderman, I've thought of you several times through the years. Thank you for making sure we never met what could have been our fate that night. Bear with me, I'm not the best writer, but I think this belongs here. This is a story about this guy who stalks me. Alright, so basically this happened about three years ago, although this guy still tries to contact me sometimes. Let's call him Dean. My dad owns a golf course and we're constantly hiring new people. I worked there every summer up until last year. Dean got hired and I was pretty excited because he was younger and pretty cute. We would talk a lot when we were working and he also managed to get my number so he could text me every so often to see how I was doing or what I was up to. After a while of working with him, I considered him my very close friend and enjoyed his company. I was in my final year of high school and I was planning on going taking a year off to travel around Europe by myself. I started noticing that I would see Dean everywhere. He would be at the mall or the grocery store and basically everywhere that I was. He started texting me really creepy things out of nowhere, like he wanted me to have his kids and he wanted to be with me forever. I would hang out with him once in a while too. The last time he hung out, he tried to assault me and that was the point where I realised he's dangerous. About a month later, he shows up at my house and tells me he's bought a plane ticket to England and he's coming with me and he's excited and he's never going to leave me again. 
My dad had to call the police and he was arrested and taken away. A little bit after I leave for a year, when I get back, he's still trying to contact me. Messaging me every day, so finally my dad and I agree to meet with him, to tell him I'm getting a restraining order. And he tells us that he doesn't think he can live without me and he's going crazy. That's the last time I've talked with him in person, but every so often I get a text message from a random number and it freaks me out knowing that he's still living in my area. I'm not sure what I'm going to do if I see him up close, so Dean, let's never meet again. So, I saw another post about a school bus, and it reminded me of this incident when I was young. My bus route was really long, anywhere between 1 and 2 hours, and I was one of the last stops. It was on a really rural route, with lots of mountains, dirt roads and hollowways. Being a rural area, most of these hollowways were long, windy roads that families and relatives lived on, and normally just one or two families of kids to be dropped off at some points. This meant that if a particular family of kids didn't ride the bus that day, for whatever reason, that the bus tribe would skip the hollow and save off anywhere from 5 to 30 minutes off the total route. How could this ever be a bad thing, right? Well, one particular hollow, about 5 miles long, I had two stops, two different families, but the second family lived down the furthest point. It was easily 3-4 miles past the first family's drop off point, down a crooked, dead-end, single-lane dirt road. It was the worst part of the route each time. Now, on days the second family didn't ride on the bus, if the driver skipped driving all the way to the second family's house, then it could save 20 minutes round trip. Not to mention the stress of driving on a claustrophobic dirt road in a huge hulking school bus. There were also times a family wanted to pick up the kids in their own car at the first stop, to save the kids bus time and spare the experience of driving that road. So of course, whenever they could, the driver would turn around at the first family drop-off point. However, this was not as smooth as a turn as going the full way to the second family's house. This drop-off point was a small circular area with a couple different driveways spalling off, only one of which was large enough for a school bus to fit, and definitely not big enough for a bus to do a 360 turn on one swoop. But with the help of a larger driveway, a three-point turn could get us out of there easy peasy. At most, a bus needed 2 metres of this driveway space, and hardly 30 seconds of its time. We do this happily for as long as I can remember, until either new residents moved in, or the existing residents of the trailer in this driveway, about 20 metres away, lost their minds. Suddenly there's a large red farm gate at the entrance, at the end of the driveway. No possible way for the bus to turn around when closed. For the first few months, whenever we could cut this route short by turning there, the driver would stop the bus during the three-point turn, open the gate, barely reverse into the driveway, pull out, stop the bus again, close the gate back exactly as it was, and get back on the bus and carry on, saving us all 20 minutes of needless driving. Keep in mind, this only happened when the second family either didn't ride the bus or was being picked up at this point, aka not very often. Then, one day, we turn up and there's now a lock on the gate. What? So we drive the 20 minutes and carry on. Still, each time we have the chance to turn, the driver would check if it's unlocked. I do not know if it was ever requested to leave it unlocked, but I know from the driver's reactions they wanted it to be. So if it didn't happen to be unlocked, we would take the shortcut and the driver would put it back on the gate as it was. To my knowledge, no one ever complained about this. Then comes the day of the trap. We get to the first drop off, the second family was not riding the bus. Nothing looks amiss, except hey, would you know, the gate's open. I can remember the smile on the driver's face as she puts the bus in reverse and begins to turn. 
At this point in the ride, it's just myself and three to four other kids, only one being a grade above me and I was barely six years old. Of course I was chatting away with my friend and didn't even notice at first that we had stopped. Once I did start to look around however, to my confusion, there was an assortment of ATVs, four wheelers, side by sides, etc. And actual cars that had pulled out the side driveways to surround the bus, every single direction. To make it even more confusing, thinking back it was horrific, they all had assortments of firearms, yeah, guns. Now I'm six and I grew up around guns, I wasn't scared by what I saw, but I also didn't realise I was being held hostage at gunpoint. All I remember is a feeling of profound confusion of not being able to work out A, why we're still sitting here, and B, what these people are doing, and even C, why are there other kids crying? Maybe I was blissfully ignorant, but the driver told us to play in the floor and not look out the windows. So me being me, I put my jacket up over the window in my seat and told everyone we could play under my row and I ended up having a great, albeit slightly boring, time waiting. It went on for what felt like hours, and I never looked out the windows during it, but I'm sure it was really only an hour at most, give or take, because our parents started slowly shutting up looking for us. I remember two kids being allowed off before me, then as I was growing truly bored, my grandfather showed up to save me too. He came on the bus, spoke to the driver, and held my hand as we walked back to his truck. No one else sang a word except my cheery goodbye to the driver. All I remember of the gang just staring her down as I walked away and she never moved from my seat in the entire ordeal. I don't know what happened after I left. I know for sure my grandfather and my parents called the school system, but I never heard of any punishments or follow-up. The gate was never left open again, and we still had to drive the route each day, always driving it all the way through, except for those blissful days both families didn't ride and we could skip it altogether. The same bus driver stayed on the route. She was honestly an angel to remain so calm and collected throughout.